Hello, everyone, and welcome to Me, You, Us, a well-being podcast. It's another Well-Being Wednesday here at Consumers Energy, and I'm your host, Bill Krieger. Today, we're going to do something a little different. I was actually able to interview my next guest in person. We were at the Jackson Airport in a small restaurant. So please forgive the background noise, but you won't want to miss out in this first part of a two-part series as I talk to Stan Mazur about his service in the military and how he's continued to serve throughout his life. Good morning. My guest today is Stan Mazur. Uh, he is from Jackson and was instrumental in putting together the USS Arizona Memorial here in Jackson. So Stan, if you'd introduce yourself, we'll get the conversation started. All right, Bill. Uh, good morning and uh, Happy New Year. And uh, again, uh, my name is Stan Mazur. And uh, I'm background, I'm 86 years old. I've been married 63 years. I've got uh, three children. I've got four grandchildren and two step-granddaughters. And I've lived here in Jackson since around 1970. I'm originally from McKeesport, Pennsylvania. It's a suburb outside of Pittsburgh. And I graduated from McKeesport High School, vocational high school. And after graduation, went into the Navy with two of my buddies. And upon the Navy boot camp, boot training, I was assigned to a builder school in Port Wyoming, California, uh, which I was graduated first in my class and had the pick of what duties, choices were available. And my choice was to go to Sasebo, Japan, Public Works, for a couple of years, uh, upon uh, which uh, completion of builder school, I was a, a seaman apprentice and uh, made seaman or constructionman and in, in Sasebo, Japan I made third class builder spent a couple of years there and then was assigned to mobile construction battalion 11 which they just came off of a mission in Kwajalein and went to Port Wainemi to basically regroup and RR that sort of thing and I was destined to go to ADAC, Alaska. Uh, and then during that time, I made second class builder. And fortunately for me, uh, my shore duty came into play. Rather than going up to ADAC, Alaska with Mobile Construction Battalion 11, I went to Bainbridge, Maryland. And I was, was assigned to a supply department, which was a very plush assignment. Uh, a lot of the CVs that were there that was at Public Works was surprised to see me at the Enlistments Club with the CV rating. Well, where in the world did I fly in from? So it was uh, a little bit uh, unorthodox, but we got to know one another in that fashion. And that's where I met my wife of 63 years. She was in the waves and was at a bar one time waiting on my buddy it was on a Saturday and at that time they had a jukebox that you could dance to and she was sitting at a table with three of her wave girlfriends and I was still waiting for my buddy to show up at the bar and uh, I had enough 
beer and me, liquid courage, so to speak, <laughs> that was able to go and ask her to dance, but she refused me. So I went back to the bar and my buddy showed up, and that was a Saturday. Sunday, it's the same scenario. I'm at the bar waiting for my buddy. Next thing I know, somebody's tapping me on the shoulder, and the jukebox was going with a slow dance, and it was her. I almost fell off the bar stage. So, that was the start of it. And uh, about four months passage of time, we got married. So, so anyway. Uh, so needless to say, you accepted the dance. You didn't refuse her, I'm, I'm oh, assuming. Uh, yeah, the, it was the uh, music that was my, one of my favorites. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> that was great. One of my favorites. But uh, that's pretty much the story as to how I did get together with uh, Mrs. Mazer, Mrs. Meredith Mazer. And she was from Hurricane. West by God, Virginia. So, anyway, I uh, I decided to uh, try to uh, my four-year contract was over with. I still had nine months left on my shore duty at Bainbridge. She was still in the Navy. I figured if I extend one year, according to the personnel manager guy, he said, "Sure, you'll stay right here, Stan." Just sign, just sign on the dotted line. So I gotta, I gotta stop you for a minute there, Stan, because I spent ten years in the Navy myself, and I know many times when someone says to me, "Sure, just sign here, it'll happen." It doesn't always happen. So what happened when you signed on the dotted line? Well, about a week passage of time, I got orders for a mobile construction battalion four, and that was the. Straw that broke the camel's back as far as me making a career out of the Navy. Uh, I, I did have to abide by the assignment, and that broke my wife and I apart. She got out of the Navy because at that time, a wave, even if you're under a four year contract, which she was, you could get out from under that contract by either getting married or getting pregnant. In our case, we got married. Because the pregnancy came a little bit later. <laughs> right, right. Un understood. Later. Um, so for the audience that doesn't know, though, uh, just kind of wanted to clue them in. A wave is what we called women in the in the navy, correct? That's right. Uh, back back in the day, this was World War II, Korean War era. That 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 was women were known as waves. Waves in the army, they were wax. In the air force, they were wafts. Marine Corps, I don't know. <laughs> Probably don't know just Marines, I would guess, Stan. Women Marines. But uh, after uh, the, the, the one year that I was assigned to Mobile Construction Battalion 4, our mission was down in Puerto Rico, uh, Roosevelt Roads, Puerto Rico. Well, we did uh, a lot of different things, apartment housing, uh, we renovated uh, an area on Vegas Island. Uh, it was uh, basically a lot of revetments, a lot of stored munitions in case England had to be kicked, was kicked out of England, uh, out of England by the Germans during the Second World War. Their next bastion was Puerto Rico, to where they would try to reconnoiter and get together and maybe still keep the fight on with Germany. So. And I don't think a lot of people know that. That I mean, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah. And I've been to Roosevelt Roads several times in my Navy career. Well, the, the Vegas Island, uh, we uh, we had a, a bunch of buildings, revetments, that basically uh, were ignored over several several years. And uh, 
this time, that time, it was about, I'm trying to think of the actual year, would have been about 1958, 1959, they decided to uh, renovate these buildings. They had like big, huge uh, aircraft hangar type doors uh, that were rusting and deteriorating that we had to uh, beef up. We had a road system, gravel road system throughout the revetment area. We had a, basically there was a, a place where you could uh, get the rock. We had to do some blasting. We set up a grizzly to get the stone down to the right size particle for spreading. And uh, one of the revetment buildings was a reinforced concrete. Uh, we had to bust a bunch of holes into it for windows and doors so they could convert it into uh, an area for uh, a, a unit to be stationed on base uh, there on, uh, at Vegas rather than uh, living in a tent. So the interesting thing about Vegas Island is, so I didn't know about this history, right, where people were living there uh, and, and doing work there. Now, when I was in the Navy in the uh, early to mid-80s, Vieques Island was where we, we, we bombed and, and used it for gunnery. Now, here's something else. My son got married a few years ago, and they went on vacation on Vieques Island. So it's really kind of done a lot of different things that I don't know that people know the history of it. Well, the Marines had a base there in the uh, so-called city portion or town portion or village portion uh -huh. of, of the island. But you're correct. They did use that for training, amphibious landings by the Marine Corps and bombing. And yes, they, they used that as a, 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 a military-type training center. West Virginia, where my wife's hometown, and I got on as a journeyman carpenter. And fortunately, being in the CBs, I didn't have to uh, spend any apprentice training. I answered a few questions to the business agent of the union and got on as a journeyman and made my big money of $3.33 and one-third cents per hour. <laughs> well, that was big money back then, though, wasn't it? Yeah, it was big money. It was big money. And, uh, of course, the work in construction was seasonal. And I ended up uh, getting on board Union Carbide in the labor game in hopes of getting into their carpenter shop on the base. And that never came about. So it was uh, in the labor gang. I'm either loading Preston antifreeze in a boxcar or tractor trailer, or during the winter I'm working on the railroad, putting in switches, ties, and then when it came to the antifreeze month, I'm right back into handling uh, cartons, drums, and antifreeze, and putting them in boxcars. It's uh, like a shipping. Right. Not exactly what you were hoping for. No, not exactly. And after three years of that, I had a belly full. I decided I'll go back in to the Navy. And I did. I did go back in for two years. I had to reduce my rank from first class to second class and accepted that as an entry for my second tour with the Navy. Mm -hmm. And that was just the right timing for me to go to Mobile Construction Battalion 7. I went down to Camp Lejeune, Camp Geiger, got Marine Corps training prior to going down to Gitmo, Cuba, during the Cuban crisis. We reinforced another battalion that was there, and we were building 
MLR, mainline of resistance, bunkers, fuel boxes, that sort of thing. And fortunately, the Russians took the missiles out. And it would have been a hell of a hit on us. As soon as we stuck the shovel or back going the ground for bumper pillbox position, the other side had it plotted. The surface surface missile, basically, they had it targeted. And uh, if if they would have fired the first salvo, they guesstimated we would have had 95 percent casualties in the first half an hour. So, Probably wouldn't have been much of a battle at that point. No, though. it wouldn't have been much of a battle. But uh, we were actually still buying water from Cuba. We had a $15,000 a month water bill. Really? Was, yes, that was monitored 24-7 every second to make sure that there wasn't any poison or... Yeah, but the Cubans, they, they like that $15,000 American money. Right. In the meantime, we had a couple of ships, tanker type that was stored with water out in the harbor area mm -hmm. in case the war did come about. Anyway, after that uh, two-year assignment with MCB-7, I figured the grass was greener as a civilian. I had a couple officers help me put together. Uh, uh, in the meantime, uh, with, with seven, I was not only building bunkers and pillboxes, they assigned me to uh, staff in the planning and scheduling and the logistics of of, of, of the mission of the battalion at that time. Mm -hmm. So I had some background in planning and scheduling, cost estimating and so forth that I utilized uh, with that particular uh, command. And with that under my belt, I was able to uh, have a couple of officers put together and help me put together a resume. And I kicked that resume out and I got my first military uh, first civilian job with Southern Engineering Corporation in Washington, D.C. They were developers of apartments. They had about 5,000 units going on in three different states. And I did estimating and planning and scheduling for that company. And the grass got a little bit more greener. I uh, went to uh, Honk and Honky Construction Company in Cleveland, Ohio. And that came about. Uh, they had a project going on in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania at the time. So I called in sick <laughs> to be interviewed by the construction manager, project manager for Honk and Honky Construction. I went to Harrisburg had a chat with them. They liked what they heard from me and they liked the resume. So I uh, got a huge improvement. I, I, I went from like 125 bucks a week to 200. Wow, that's a big jump. That's a big jump. Mm -hmm. So ended up uh, in the Cleveland, Ohio area roughly around 1970. And uh, in the meantime, my wife and I, we got a little bit busier and uh, we added two more kids. So you're up to how many now? Three. Three, three kids in 1970. Two daughters, two daughters and one son. Okay. And they're all here in the Jackson area with me, fortunately. Oh, nice. Yes. Yes. Uh, very fortunate to have family still intact. In well, 
my my uh, uh, trip from uh, Cleveland area. I went from Duncan uh, Coffee Construction Company, and then I went to Arpaji McKee, which is a petrochemical. I worked for them as a sketch work. I went back to Duncan Coffee Construction as an estimator. And from there I went to H.K. Ferguson Company, which was a huge uh, developer in uh, all the Anheuser-Busch breweries done by the H.K. Ferguson Company. And from there I went to Commonwealth Associates here in Jackson. That's how I got to Jackson. And so all of this really came from that five years that you spent in the CBs. You kind of parlayed that into these jobs that built on each other. So it was really your military background that kind of got you in the door? Pretty much. Pretty much a military background uh, in conjunction with some of my own personal educational efforts. Right, yes. To where uh, I'm not a graduate engineer, but I am a registered professional engineer in the state of Michigan, and I am actually a certified cost engineer. And I haven't practiced it much lately. <laughs> um, in retirement, I've been retired he was, uh, since about 1985. So I tried to set up my own shingle as a consultant because at that time I was a registered professional engineer. And I tried to make a go of it, uh, working out of my toolbox and whatever I could to make ends meet. Mm -hmm. And there was a little bit rough shoulders as far as my life, but it uh, turned out uh, on the bright side. So uh, after after leaving Commonwealth Associates, uh, going into uh, to retirement, uh, I pretty much uh, got involved community-wise. I'm a member of the uh, Kiwanis Club. Mm -hmm. And through our Kiwanis Club, uh, we've done uh, worthy needs. Right now, we're in the process of buying 96 bikes and helmets to uh, prepare for March Reading Month here in the state of Michigan. And we're into 28 elementary schools. Some schools get two bikes and helmets, some get three. Depends on student body. But this program impacts 11,000 youngsters in Jackson County. We also do, like, Dictionaries for third graders, uh, baby care needs for unwed mothers, bell ringing for the Salvation Army, things of that nature, which is typical of a service club. Yes. Whether whether you're Optimus or Rotary or Kiwanis or, or Lions, uh, those are all good. So, Stan, let's talk about that for a minute because this is really where the idea for the USS Arizona Memorial came from, if I'm not mistaken. Can you talk a little bit about the work you were doing and the conversation that you had with your son um, around that and kind of how that how that first started out? And how long ago was that when that was just an idea? All right, well, uh, in, in that respect, uh, back in July of 2019, I was uh, getting a publication, The Can Do. It's all about CBs, past, present, and future. And one of the articles in that particular issue was related to the USS Arizona. And what I gleaned from that article is back in the 1950s, they had to remove a large segment of the superstructure due to safety and corrosion. They used that large segment 
to support some of the gangway catwalk that the visitors go aboard on a launch to go to view the memorial as we know it today. Well, in 1995, U.S. Congress legislated the Relics Program, removed that segment, put in proper foundations for that gangway catwalk, and, and cut that segment up and delve it out to worthy recipients. And the piece that we did get is from a piece that was removed in the 50s, so they're not cutting up the memorial as we know it today. I Important for clear. people to know, right? We didn't just dive clear. down and cut a chunk out of the USS Arizona and bring it to Jackson. Right. I ran into a lot of that during the pursuit of getting a piece of USS right. Arizona as far as fundraising some of the money that was required in order to put this in play. So uh, with, with that information, knowing the fact that we could possibly get a piece of it, being in a Kiwanis, again, we have a project, Kiwanis Flowering Tree Project, to beautify Cascades Park with flowering trees. And in that park is now sitting not only the, the, the memorial for the 911, but also a piece of the USS Arizona is all the same general location. And I, I don't want to interrupt you, Stan, but for anyone listening, if you've not been to Cascades Park, you need to check it out. When I was a kid, my, my mom used to bring us to Cascades Park all the time. And it's always just been a beautiful place to go with your family, it's very peaceful, it's amazing just to walk around and see what's there. So I wanna make sure I got that out there because the, the work that's been done at Cascades Park is just amazing and it's been that way for a while. Well, the falls is their main attraction, Cascade Falls within the park is their main attraction. And it's about a 500 acre park. They've got the lily ball fields in the park. They've got a huge lagoon type area where they used to be able to do paddle paddle boats and you could do fishing there. And we got a split splash pool. Uh, they intended at uh, one time to build a visitor center. But uh, we, we, we've got roughly 300 trees that have been adopted as part of our flowering tree program. And Mike's son and his son, my grandson, and another youngster, we were mulching trees in close proximity to where the Twin Tower exhibit is on site. And you're able to see that from where we were mulching some of the trees, part of our flower tree project. And uh, just to carry conversation, knowing the possibility, I read the article on USS Arizona, to carry conversation with my grandson and his buddy, Owen Campbell and Carter Mazur, and I said, the youngsters, I said, remember Pearl Harbor? And they looked at me as I was some weirdo. And Carter, my grandson, said, why in the world did you say that, Grandpa? And I explained. I said, you see that showcase over there with the uh, Twin Tower memorial? We could possibly get a piece of the USS Arizona and put it in a similar size showcase in the same general area. And what do you guys think? I value your opinions. And my grandson Carter says, go for it, Grandpa. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have today. Thank you to the audience for tuning in. Please listen in next week so you can hear the rest of Stan's story. It's pretty incredible. And we'll find out if Stan does go for it like his grandson told him to. 
Thank you to the audience for listening in today. The Me, You, Us podcast is proudly sponsored by Consumers Energy, leaving Michigan better than we found it. Remember, you can find the Me, You, Us podcast on all major podcasting platforms. So be sure to go out, find us, and subscribe. If you or someone you know is in crisis, please contact the Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. If you are a veteran or know a veteran who is in crisis, you can call 1-800-273-8255 and press 1 for the Veterans Crisis Line. And remember to tune in every Wednesday as we talk about the things that impact your personal well-being.